Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to series two of Conversations with Annalisa Barbieri. That's me, hello. I'm a broadcaster and journalist, and I write the Ask Annalisa column in The Guardian each Saturday. Every week, when researching the column, I get to speak to some amazing specialists. And this podcast allows me to go into more detail on subjects that come up all the time. I self-fund this podcast, so if you'd like to support us so that we can make more, you can share it widely. If you'd like to make a one-off donation, you can follow the link in the description of this episode, which will take you to the Acast supporter page. And if you'd like to listen ad-free, head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Annalisa Barbieri, where you can become a supporter. Blended families and the issues they face is a subject that comes up a lot in my column. When I was at school, blended families, I'm not even sure what we called them back then, were rare. I suppose the Brady Bunch was the closest I got to it, and their amalgamation only seemed acceptable because Mike and Carol's former spouses aren't mentioned, presumed dead. But generally, people stayed married, often unhappily, for longer. Thankfully, these days people don't put up with unhappy marriages for so long and leave or get married or repartner. And with that comes what we used to call step families, but now call blended or bonus families. Catherine Walker is a psychotherapist whose specialism is in blended families. She's accredited by the UKCP and the BACP, and her area of interest is blended families, so much so that she did her MA in the psychological impact of being a member of a blended family from the perspective of the stepmother. In this episode, we look at what a blended family is, some of the common issues that come up. Catherine and I try and look at it from the perspective of each member of the family. And Catherine also gives some advice on how this can be a really positive experience for everyone involved. Can we start with you perhaps explaining what a blended family is for those that don't know? Yeah, sure. So blended families are families that come together where the the couple in the family are not the children's biological parents. So it might be a remarriage, for example, and the couple may or may not be married, but living in the household either full or part time will be the biological children of 
of one of the parents and possibly both of the parents if they're both bringing children from previous relationships to the new partnership. You're a psychotherapist but what got you so interested in blended or step families? What's your experience of them? Well I've been a stepdaughter for over 25 years now to both a stepmother and a stepfather and then I met my ex-husband's daughter and became a stepmother in my early 20s so for decades now I've had I've had lots of experience firsthand in both being a stepchild and a step parent, I fundamentally believe that there isn't enough support around for people um, who are embarking upon being a part of a blended family. And so that is one of the main reasons that I trained as a psychotherapist years ago. It remains today, you know, one of my kind of key areas of interest, which was in fact a subject of my um, dissertation um, in my MA as well. And we used to call them step families and stepmother and stepfather, didn't we? We certainly did. And I think some people still do. And I think there's lots of other names like um, bonus mother bonus children yeah I and I think you know etymology is important and it changes over time um but the the term step parent is still in kind of wide wide circulation wide wide use today now when I was at school there was only I think perhaps one person whose parents were divorced and there was never any mention of step families outside of fairy tales I know you and I have talked at length before about the stepmother and and her place in myth and legend and always a subject of an object of kind of fear which is of course really unfair but there are issues sometimes when the family comes together I mean I know a lot of my letters that I get are about obviously they're always about problems because I'm an agony aunt but there can be some issues in your experience in your job as a psychotherapist what would you say was the main issue that people come to you with when their families join together uh, and, and there are so many and it very much depends on the the individual kind of nature and context of that blended family but I think the main issue really is when is when the adults in that partnership don't don't do work on themselves the more kind of conscious we are and the more work we do on ourselves the less um, propensity we have as, as adults in the equation um, to cause harm to the development of the of the psyche of the children uh, involved and I think blended families are, in, are are just so complex and you know the, the coming together of a new family unit is is really hard I think this has to be acknowledged it's really hard all round for, for pretty much every member in it one of the main issues is that let's say every person in the equation but we'll, we'll stick with the adults for now every every person is sort of entrenched in their own perspective and that might be their own resentment their own frustration you know their own life experience and expectations and worries of of how the new family unit will will affect them and their role in 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 the family dynamic which has changed over time when we're entrenched in our own perspective and we don't consider you know the impact of the dynamic and the impact of our own behaviors on others it can cause a number of difficulties in the healthy creation of the new blended family Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. Even in families that stay together, often parents don't do enough work on themselves. And a lot of the issues I get, I think, actually, this is less to do with your child and more to do with you. But they don't realise that. And I can imagine that, you know, a blended family may come together out of hurt or loss. And, you know, maybe one of the parents has died or they've got divorced. And even though that might have been a good thing that they separate, it's a union which is formed out of loss and hurt and maybe that needs to be acknowledged before you know they move forward 
let's go back to the beginning. Let's imagine that somebody wants to separate, but they don't know whether they'll meet somebody, but then, you know, they might do. How, how do you how do you begin to blend well? I think when you when two adults separate, let's say a married couple separates, think the 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 impact, the potential impact that that might have on the, on the children and and their psychological health is is obviously massive. So I, I think actually you know laying the groundwork for helping the transition to be as smooth as possible starts with really the two adults kind of discussing together the, their separation and then coming together ideally as a parental unit to discuss with their children or you know inform their children that, that they'll be separating um, you know of course that instantly can cause feelings of insecurity worry concern in the children and so for them to know that you know their parents they they might not love one another anymore but they'll always be parents of the children they'll they'll be there for them as much as possible that love that they have for their children it doesn't change or diminish diminish in any way shape or form that's really really important to give the children a sense of security you know right from the off children especially they feel they have no control so i think they need to have things spelt out and i know that often when change happens be it from a change of classroom to a change of home the questions they ask if they're allowed to ask questions are often deeply practical i know in problems that i've done in the past it's been about things like where will i sleep you know where will my favorite teddy be and i think that people quite rightly are very concerned about the psychological impact but often for children their first concern can be quite practical when they're quite young is that your experience yeah, absolutely. You know, where where am I going to live? Who's going to look after me? And, and on an emotional level, do, do, do you still love me? Will I still see you? Um, how often will I still, you know, how often will I see you? You know, often one parent will be moving out of the out of the family home. And, and if that's not happening imminently, it, may, it might happen in a few months time. So children, you know, want to know where they stand. You know, they want to know, are they safe at the end of the day? You know, are, are they going to be able to rely on their parents in the same way. So yeah, there's 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 questions of an emotional capacity, but also questions of a of a kind of practical capacity too. And I'm asking you this because I think it's relevant to every stage of the, if you like, blending. But can we just recap? Because I think this is so important about speaking to children. My experience, what I've been taught in the years I've done this column, is that you tell them news in a safe place where they feel comfortable, as confident as they can be. And they can ask questions and that those questions might come now, they may come later. And you answer their questions factually and in an age appropriate way. Is there anything else? Well, I think what you've just described there, Annalisa, is spot on. They need to be in a safe environment for sure. They need to feel that it's safe to be able to ask questions. They also need to, um, ideally, you know, the parents should make it clear that their emotions, whatever their feelings are around um, the news of their parents' separation, you know, are entirely welcome. You know, it's up to the kind of co-parenting team to kind of create that safe container to allow their children to express whatever it is that's coming up for them, whether that's sadness or frustration or hurt or, or anger. And, and of course, it's up to the parents then to kind of deal with that um, as, as safely and as kindly and empathically as, as possible. 
the emotional container that's created by the parenting unit is critical. But some of the things you've just talked about as well, like, you know, where they're told in the family home, for example, trying to ensure as far as possible that there are minimal disruptions, nobody else around, not expecting other family members to come and come and visit imminently. All, All of those things are really important. So anyone listening who maybe has separated, they feel they've done quite a good job, they've met someone else. Any advice about when to introduce that person and what to say? I think the key thing is, you know, of course, it's not something that can be rushed. Introducing a new partner to prospective stepchildren is a really, really big deal. Step parents have a huge responsibility, in in my view, and can have a can have a huge impact on the psychological health of the of their stepchildren. So it's not a decision to be taken lightly. So I think first and foremost, just like with any relationship, it's really important for the new couple to you know ensure that they're they are a tight unit that they that they ideally see a future for their relationship that they have created um some solid foundations you know with regards trust and safety they're aligned on their own sort of um hopes and dreams for the future and they're creating a, a new team because just as it's important for children whose parents are separating to be kind of held in the safety of the the parental unit when we're considering introducing those same children to new partners they also need to see that their biological parent and the the incoming step parent are a a safe and solid team and that will help not only the children adjust to that situation but it also very much helps you know both the biological parent and the step parent adjust to the to the new dynamic you know, talk to each other, share their own worries and concerns, support one another. Ultimately, that's going to be a much safer and, and healthier environment for the children to be a part of. But how do you make it safe? I mean, let's just take, I don't know, let's, a woman separated, she's met a new man, wants to bring him into the family. Should she kind of introduce him slowly? Should she? they sit down? I mean, how big a deal do you make of it, firstly? And secondly, in order to allow children to have be able to feel they can express their feelings is it acceptable for them to express it in front of the incoming parent or how do you manage that it's another really good question and and again and I'll probably say a few times you know it, there is no one perfect way to do this because the dynamic and the nature of each kind of blended family is, is going to be different you know is the kind of ex-partner still around I mean to your point earlier maybe there's a there's a bereavement maybe the um, the original the biological mother or father simply isn't around anymore and so that will that will change the the nature of the role that the incoming step parent is is likely to play you know are are the children going to be living full-time with their with their step parent or part-time you know custody arrangements is going to play a role here the key in all of this is to for the the new couple to work out what is what is right and appropriate um, for them um, and for their household and you know considering their own respective characters and personalities as well as the norms of the household that the couple are, are forming together the children are going to express themselves one way or another. And when you're creating a new blended family, you know, 
that I think that's the very point. It's a family, you know, and we all know that, you know, whether it's a nuclear family construct or a blended family construct, difficulties can arise and members within that family group can can feel at various points, you know, happy and excited and joyful, safe, secure, supported. They can also feel pushed out, excluded, you know, resentful, unhappy, sad, worried. And, and all of those feelings are completely normal. And in fact, you know, I guess the child who who kind of doesn't react and, you know, stays quiet and silent and doesn't share their their feelings or emotions, you know, as a psychotherapist, I'd, I'd be more concerned about that. I think it's, it's important that children are, you know, um, reminded that the, the new couple, so the biological parent and the step parent are safe, are solid. The environment in which the children will be living in is going to be um, healthy and conducive to the development of the children. You know, to your point, they might not know all the answers. So are you going to get married? You know, are you going to live here full time? They, they should be as honest and open as possible with the children and answer questions as truthfully um, as they possibly can do you know, to your point in an age appropriate way, whilst they can control kind of what messages are shared, you know, how the news is delivered, clearly what can't be controlled is then the reaction of the child. So if they can um, anticipate that the child, you know, might experience a full range of different emotions and thoughts and their reactions will be very wide and varied, but maybe agree together that it's going to be okay. Maybe the biological parent w- would, in that instant, be appropriate to take a lead role in sharing the news and also kind of responding in the first instance to, you know, questions or concerns or queries that the, that the children may or may not have. But of course, as they feel their way into the conversation, the the step parent absolutely should have a role and and a voice in that, because right from the off, it's important for the children to start to to build carefully and gently um, a relationship on their own terms with, with the new step parent. So who do you put first? The child always? Do you put their needs first, their emotions first or the incoming partner? Uh, I I think children's innocence has to be protected and I, and ultimately you know children with their psyches still forming you know their their egos are immature you know that they're not always going to be to be able to anticipate things in the way that adults would or handle situations in a way that adults would but to say that whose needs do you put first I think the, the obvious answer there would, would would be to put the children's need first but the issue is that in any blended family just like any nuclear family you know it's important that all members of that family how have their needs considered are able to voice what their needs are and to to kind of have a role to play to to feel that they can share you know their their thoughts and their feelings safely so that they feel respected and and not undermined and then it's up to them to communicate those new boundaries um, in a way that the children um, can hear and then of course you know deal with and negotiate um, kind of questions and dynamics as they as they start to arise after that initial conversation. One of the questions I get asked a lot is the person sort of coming in often gets jealous of the attention their partner pays their children and and often these children are fairly old or even adult children that quite surprises me sometimes they're often jealous and that's why you know it goes back to the question of who do you put first they say things like you know they're spending too much time with their children and they feel 
the, the person that's coming in sort of feels pushed out and obviously I don't know everybody's point of view but it the people that write into me it almost seems that once they get married they feel they should be put before anybody else do you come across a lot of that and if so where do you think that comes from I do come across a lot of that for sure. Um, I think it goes back to, you know, what I said earlier around ensuring that, you know, every adult in the equation here, as uh, you know, is conscious of their own wounding, their own, mm. their own reactions, their own behaviours and is conscious of how things affect them. So, you know, we as adults within a blended family are responsible for our own behaviours, for our own feelings and for dealing with, you know, the associated, you know, woundings and traumas that we've experienced. And that responsibility does not lie solely with the step parent it's also with the biological parent with the ex-partners you know there's a really lovely saying you know if you don't heal what hurts you you'll bleed on people who don't cut you Um, Mm. and that I think really nicely encapsulates the importance of you know dealing with what's happened to us and our own behavior you know thoughts and feelings so that we can ensure our own behaviors and how we express ourselves is as healthy as possible it's really, really common for step parents to feel resentful of their stepchildren, you know, to, you know, suddenly the dynamic changes, this person that they've been used to spending, you know, so much time with and receiving so much attention from, suddenly when the children kind of come into the mix, the dynamic is thrown up into the air and it, and it changes and questions arise, you know, well, what, what's my role and what do we do now? And when do we have adult time together and in the same way as a couple who decide to have a baby together you know their dynamic changes drastically from the moment that child is born so it's you know it's it's not uncommon for new fathers for example to feel suddenly jealous or resentful of the fact that their you know their their partner is suddenly devoting the vast majority of their time to a new baby so these feelings of jealousy or resentment don't start and stop with with a step parent they're felt by all members of families at various points in different family constructs just as just as they're also felt by children and the important thing in all of this is first of all yes to do work on yourself and to take responsibility for yourself but then to create an environment in your blended family where any member of it who is experiencing negative feelings, resentment, frustration, um, sadness, and so on, is able to go back to that family unit and explain how they're feeling and allow the other members of the group to kind of understand their point of view, to see their perspective, um, and then do what they can to meet their needs. The issue is that children can't be expected to behave in such a mature way because they're children, but certainly the adults in the equation absolutely have a responsibility to help their partners to kind of create that team together, that unit together, and create an environment where everyone's needs can be heard and then balanced with the needs of the family overall. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're absolutely right, it's no different from a family that's, you know, stayed together and the parents are both there and they're their biological children. I suppose the difference there is that things have happened a bit more gradually, I think, in sort of blended families. There's quite a lot of extreme change quite quickly, or it can seem that way. You haven't really got the chance to, you know, get to know a baby and it grows. And, And I think also there's quite a lot of often divided loyalties you know, you might have fallen in love with a person, but you don't know their children and you might not like them. What happens if you don't like your new partner's children? Uh, and, and, and again, I think I don't think that's uncommon. You know, it's when we meet people late in life. I and mean, I often hear from people, you know, I, I, I married him or I married her. You know, I didn't I didn't want to be a mother. I didn't want to be a father. There are reasons why I haven't had my own children and so on and so forth. So these things are not uncommon but there's also something here about accepting you know if you are going if you if you fall in love with someone who has children in an absolutely ideal world you know their children are going to be a, a, a really big and imp- very important part of their life so to be with that person is also to be a step parent um, and be involved in some capacity in in those children's lives we, you know, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? So when we have grown up in our own families of origin, so for example, how how, how parents might deal with conflict, for example, or discipline, where they go on holiday, what their lifestyle looks like. When you move out of that family construct and then you create a blended family construct, what you're doing is you're bringing together two often different worlds. And so then becomes a period of time where the new blended family boundaries, norms, uh, habits, traditions, lifestyle is created. So that's another reason why we can see that, you know, resentment start to build, you know, gosh, I always do this with with mum, you know, I want to carry on doing it in dad's household or 
with dad I get to stay up really late and so how come I get to I have to go to bed really early in mum's house and what would you say to that if a child said that to you yeah I mean again it's, it's important that the, the, the children understand what the rules of the household are what the boundaries within that household are that they're living in and they understand you know in some cases you know why those why those rules have been put in place or why those boundaries are important very much it depends on the age the age of the children here um, but ultimately, it is perfectly acceptable um, for two different households to operate in two different ways. And there is a period of adjustment, of course. You know, children might find uh, things hard to accept. They might not understand why. They might feel resentful. So that's why, you know, good communication with children to help them understand the reasons why is really important. Where the new couple and particularly the biological parent has a kind of good co-parenting relationship with their ex-partner, it might be very appropriate for there to be a, particularly while children are younger, a standardised set of expectations to limit confusion, to maximise security so the children understand, you know, the rules of the game, if you like. Don't the children get to have a say? So I'm just thinking, gosh, if I were a child, I mean, I'm not talking about a tiny child or a toddler, but you know, sort of from eight or nine, they've already had their sort of family home for whatever reason, dismantled, disrupted, whatever you want to call it. And then there's all these new rules that the adults make. I mean, surely they could sit down with the children and say, this has happened and we need, we do need some sort of boundaries. What are your thoughts? Or is that a dreadful mistake? I think it depends on the age of the children and certainly to sort of co-create rules and expectations and norms within the household is a really healthy thing to do. Again, it depends on the, the construct of the, of the household. So if, for example, the step parent has brought their own biological children to live in the household and your new partner's children are living in the household, you know, it's very likely that the rules that both sets of children have been asked to to live by um, and are used to will be different when you're kind of creating that new blended family you know if you can co-create the new expectations using a blend of you know a bit of a kind of hovis rule the best of both that would be absolutely ideal it's, it's not appropriate in all cases you know as you said if the children are very young perhaps then they're, they're not cooperative at all and that kind of conversation you know you haven't got to that level of healthy communication yet in the household and maybe that will come over time but you know certainly allowing the children children to have a voice actually you know imbues them with a sense of power and responsibility and is likely to make it smoother and much more effective obviously it depends on the age and maturity of the child perhaps maturity more important than the chronological age but I think that where you can involve children it not only makes them think about the challenges that a family has because yes they may sit down first of all and say yeah I want to go to bed at midnight you know but then when you say yes but then if you have to get up at seven for school wouldn't you be tired and so it not only makes them think about the problems face but also I think it can make a child feel more in control in a situation where let's face it they probably feel they have very little control but certainly I want to emphasize that with young children it's very different because if you say to a very young child what do you think the rules should be or it can actually make them feel very unsafe they definitely need to feel that a parent is taking control would you say that's right Catherine 
I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I think, you know, kind of related to this, it's the roles that are given to each member of the family are really important. So, you know, again, to sort of imbue that, imbue the children with a sense of responsibility and, 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 a, and a sense of, you know, accountability and that they have a role to play within the household and the smooth running of it, I think is, is, is really important. For example, when I was living with my stepdaughter, you know, a number of years ago, she sort of took it upon herself uh, two or three times times a week to cook the dinner and that worked brilliantly for, for, for the household at the time you know I, I was working long hours she had much more kind of time on her hands being in a very kind of late teens and just after education and so that worked brilliantly for our household and it you know it gave me a real sense of in the household you know there was more than one person responsible for kind of sharing the load and, and some of the kind of domestic chores and I really appreciated you know her, her contribution but also for her it gave her a sense of purpose and and a, and a role to play um, and, and an opportunity to contribute to the running of the household as well, which, again, you know, whether you're a stepchild or a biological child, you know, I think that's really important for, for children to sort of learn how to, to look after themselves and to contribute and to provide. And it was good that she felt that she could do that and that you appreciated it. Do you have any advice to someone who's coming in to make a blended family? Yeah, for sure. I mean, different people are going to have different relationships with the idea of becoming a step parent. So I think my advice would be to to go in with your eyes wide open. This is not rose tinted. This is not thinking that everything's going to be rosy and fine from the off to anticipate that the, you know, the child, the children, and in fact, you know, every member of the household at some point is going to find it hard, including the prospective step parent. You know, we've already talked about feelings of, of resentment being very natural and common. Secondly, ensure that there are open lines of healthy communication with your partner and do your best as a team, as a new couple, to to kind of talk about your respective worries and fears. Ensure that it's safe to do so, you know. What do you mean by that? If you want to have a conversation with your partner to sort of say, gosh, you know what, I'm really nervous about you know, meeting your children or how is that going to be or what are we going to do about this or about that? Or I've got some, you know, preconceptions based on my own experience when I was a child and I had a step parent and, you know, and that relationship wasn't brilliant. It's also important for the person, you know, for your partner who's hearing that to, to deal with that in a mature and adult and responsible way. You want to be heard, you want to be listened to and you want to be understood is really important and I think that my third bit of advice would be to really think about the network is there anyone in your network that really understands what what you might be going through so friends or family members that, that have experienced this my own views as well on this are that there, there really isn't a great amount of support, professional support available for incoming or, you know, new, new step parents. You know, if, if appropriate for you, would you consider, you know, seeking the support of, of a therapist or a counsellor, someone where you can sort of take your your worries, your fears, your your frustrations too, and to help you sort of process the impact of becoming a step parent. For everyone, it will be varied, but it's a big deal becoming a step parent. So it's important that there's the safe places that you can sort of process all of that. It's really important because I think if you have a place for yourself to say those things, you're less likely to take it out within the household. And whilst we have talked about how it's really important that you can, you know, be yourself in this newly created household, I think there might be certain times or certain things where it's not helpful because, you know, words can hurt.
Catherine, I just wanted to ask you something that I hear a lot in like <laughs> movies is children who will say to a step parent, you're not my mum or you're not my dad. Why should I do what you asked me to? Do you have any advice for that phrase? Yes, I think firstly, the, so for the step parent not to take that personally, uh, you know, children are in that instance, you know, they're, they're testing the boundaries, they are, you know, expressing their frustrations, all completely normal that phase doesn't last forever but and also children you know act out some even children speaking to their biological parent particularly as they grow older and start to individuate they they rail against the rules you know they might not they absolutely might not want to do something that their that their primary caregiver whether it's parent step parent um, has asked them to do so it's not uncommon for children to kind of act out secondly to try and empathize with the child as much as possible even if you're doing that silently um, and not sharing that with them but also I think it's important to be to be objective and to remember that as a responsible adult in the household if you and your partner have put in place a boundary if you've kind of created expectations in terms of behavior or roles or rules it's important that that framework is, is observed, but ultimately, uh, well, that's true, isn't it? You know, then they're, they're not the biological parent and that also can be acknowledged. So the role that the step parent plays, it's important not to try and pigeonhole it into a role that we already know and are familiar to. So, you know, it's, it's not a friend, it's not a it's not a mum or it's not a dad. It's not a, a an auntie. You know, it's a it's it's a step parent, and that role has lots of responsibility and is to be celebrated. The step parent and the step child can co-create the right relationship for them, and so ideally, that step parent over time will become somebody that is a, a supportive and healthy and guiding influence in their stepchildren's lives and able to be kind of turned to for advice and so on. But it's going to be different for every family construct. And actually just saying, you're right, I'm not, is a really simple but effective thing to reflect back to that child. How important is it as to what you're called if you're, I mean, I can imagine some people insist on being called mum or dad or does it matter what the children call you what they want I guess I think it matters a great deal of course you know words can be derogatory words mean different things to each of us so I think it's important that each member of the household is respected so I think that's really important for children it's incredibly important that relationships can't be contrived or manufactured and that and I'm talking about any relationship not not just a kind of um, stepchild parent dynamic but the relationship whatever it looks like but you you can't force it the parent that says right this is your new your your new mother you call her mum that can have a really damaging influence on um, health of the child's psyche um, maybe they're not ready for that you know mum is such an intimate personal word if a child wants to call their step parent mum or dad totally acceptable totally fine but that has to be driven by the child with time so often it's it's very typical for a step parent to be called by their name, their first name. And of course, you know, the step parent has a voice in this as well. Nine times out of 10, perhaps they'd be very comfortable and happy to be called, you know, mum or dad, but perhaps not, you know, perhaps that, that's not what they want to be known as. In that case, I would sort of discuss that with, with your partner and think about the best way to sort of approach that conversation with the child. Can we talk a little bit about step-siblings? What about if you're a child and you're about to get step-siblings? Oh, I think children feel the full gamut, don't they? You know, it's, it could range 
it could range from, you know, gosh, I'm an I'm an only child. So having someone else, you know, of a similar age is, is really exciting prospect, you know, or I have a great relationship with with him or her and, and I'm looking forward to spending more time with them. And in a case where step siblings is a big age gap, you know, it could be oh gosh, I look up to this person, you know, I can learn from them. They, they're a bit more of a role model for me. There's also the other side of that coin, isn't there? There's the, oh, you know, I've, I've already got a brother. I've already got, got a sister and I, and I, and I, I don't need any more. Thanks very much. Um, you know, there's the feelings of resentment, you know, and also when the, when step siblings are introduced to one another, you know, the obvious threat to, to, to the, to the respective child is, well, hang on a minute. It's, what relationship is this step sibling going to be having with my biological parent? You know, they're going to develop their own relationship too. So, and, and that, and that is, you know, yet another reason why, you know, the kind of formation of a new blended family is so utterly complex and really needs a lot of time and attention and care and respect to help it grow and to form healthily. Yes, because I can imagine, you know, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of sibling rivalry, but often you get used to it. There's a pecking order, but suddenly if you're presented with a fully grown child, that might be quite challenging. But of course it depends on, you know, all the individual circumstances. I want you to talk a little bit about adults suddenly getting step-parents because my parents were together till my dad died. But I have to say, even as an adult, I really didn't like, I would not have liked the thought of my mum or dad remarrying and getting a step parent. I'm not sure what that says about me, but I reverted, even when we used to sort of talk jokingly, I reverted to a very young child and became really quite upset. Um, and I really don't know how I would have ever coped with that. I mean, I come from a very traditional Italian family where no one gets divorced even if they want to kill each other it's easy to think that these feelings belong only with quite young children but actually you could be an adult and your parents remarry and you could still have these quite primal feelings couldn't you oh absolutely and and you know you could argue that those feelings might be might be even stronger because by the time we are adults we've got our own life experiences we've got we're very capable of having our own agendas our own you know our own views on things um which will have been shaped of course by you know the experiences we've had as a child but also you know the impact of adulthood on us and the relationships that that we've had as humans we're creatures of habit so when you've been used to a particular family dynamic for a number of decades and suddenly that changes when you're in your adulthood that can be an immensely unsettling time for adult children how will my relationship with my mum or dad change will I like their new partner you know do I like the idea of the fact that they may or may not have children so it can be harder in many respects and again all of that is is sort of all all very normal um I think when when parents separate at any age it's got it's likely to have you know an impact an unsettling impact um on on their children I guess it goes back to looking at what the feelings are and what it is you're afraid of even as an adult you can think of you can feel very small and scared if your adult parents decide to separate so it might be worth looking at why that is um I mean I don't know I've thought about it it never happened to me but I just didn't like the idea of it really the other thing I wanted to ask was we've talked a lot about what to do and I think in that is implicit what not to do but it might be worth just running through what what not to do if you are about to amalgamate your families 
Yeah, um, I think I think I think the step parent um, has got a bit of a bad rap um, over the centuries, uh, actually. And Definitely. I think, yeah, and we, we, that's a whole other subject, um, I guess. But I think what not to do. So don't don't be silent you know do reach out to your support network do seek the um support and guidance of a, of a professional who can sort of help you through that people need a place to vent that's really really important and then also allow the, those thoughts and feelings to be normalized you know somewhere between 10 and 15 percent and this is just kind of the the statistics that are available to us between 10 and 15 percent of all families here in the UK are part of a blended family you know which runs into the millions so you're not alone there are many many people um kind of going going through this about to embark on these relationships and we learn about ourselves and how to be and how not to be through through the experiences of others so it is always kind of good to talk as the saying goes the other piece of advice I'd absolutely give is 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 not to force it. Um, you know, things have to relationships have to evolve naturally and organically, not to have too many kind of preconceived expectations. So I think we spoke earlier about you know kind of going into something eyes wide open and not being not seeing the world through rose tinted spectacles because. If you're expecting everything to be fine and, you know, uh, everyone to sort of be skipping along in the sunshine and for there never to be any, um, you know, conflict or frustrations, etc., uh, you know, then 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 perhaps one could argue um, you're being quite naive is important to understand the child's perspective so that the adults in the equation can do everything that they can in their power to help the children adjust um, as, as carefully and as healthily as possible. I strongly believe that step parents have a have a real you know responsibility um, to kind of show up in the best possible way um, in front of their stepchildren, um, which means kind of looking after you know um, their own sort of negative um, thoughts and feelings so that they're not kind of handed to their stepchildren um, or, or, or made obvious. When you go into an equation, you know, how, how is your how, your partner? So those feelings of jealousy that we spoke about, um, your your partner, um, your relationship with them, the dynamic, you know, how often you see them, what you do together, how much time is available for you as a couple, changes um, can change almost can change almost overnight. Um, if you've had experiences of being a stepchild before you become a step parent, that's almost a kind of a, a double whammy there because. Not only are you going to have an experience um, and impressions um, of what it's like to be part of a nuclear family, um, you're going to have then experiences of being part of a blended family as a child. And then all of those experiences, you know, those and those woundings and the impact that it had on you as a child is going to be brought to bear on how you how you try and approach, um, you know, becoming a step parent yourself. You know, it can have an impact on self-worth, um, it can have an impact on self-esteem. Um, you know, what's what's my role here? Um, it's so and that that impact can be kind of greater or lesser um, according to the dynamic if not handled really really carefully um it, i think being kind of walking into and becoming part of a blended family as a step parent can be can be just as unsettling um, and a really difficult experience it seems like a huge responsibility because like you said when you think about all the personalities involved the new partner the old partner their new partners it, it seems really complicated and I think it's incredible that, that people manage it. And I also think it's really important to point out that although we're focusing 
on the problems. A lot of people do this very well and a lot of enormous positives come out of blended families. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's the same, you know, with it, with any sort of family construct. I think, you know, the opportunity to build relationships with new people. Um, to, if I think about, I, I have a stepmother, for example, and I have a step a stepfather, and both of them have very different um, qualities and strengths that they bring to the table. You know, my biological parents and my step parents. You know, I, I'll go to them all individually for. They'll play different roles for me. You know, what what do we do together? Um, what do I share with them? Um, how do we interact with one another? So, I think you know, one way or another, we learn something from from everyone um, in our lives. So, blended families. You know, yes, they're complex. Yes, they're hard. But they they absolutely have the capacity to bring all members of it. You know, joy and and extra love. Um, I think when you spoke at the start, Annalisa, you said one of the terms that, you know, you, you were familiar with here was the bonus parent. So, you know, in those terms, it's sort of bonus love, bonus affection, you know, extra support. Two hands are better than one, for example. So extra people to kind of kind of share in the responsibilities of, of looking after and bringing up the children can often be, um, you know, very, very helpful and very supportive it's not the number of adults in the children's lives that's important. I think it's the quality of the relationships that the children are able to have with those adults that's important. Thank you so much to Catherine. Catherine is an integrative transpersonal psychotherapist accredited by and registered with the UKCP and BACP. She works with a broad array of psychological issues and has a special interest in working with step-parents and helping blended families form new healthy bonds and attachments. You can contact Catherine through her website, curiousandbrave.co.uk. The series is produced by Hester Kant. The music is by Toby Dunham and our artwork is by Lo Cole. Follow us on social media, on Instagram, at pocketanalisa, You can read my Ask Annalisa Barbieri column in The Guardian magazine every Saturday. And we'd love to hear your suggestions for topics you'd like us to discuss on future podcasts. Please email us at conversationswithannalisa at gmail.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from today's episode, do please share it with someone else you think might find it useful. And it would mean a lot to us if you could give us a review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and do join us again. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Annalisa. I started doing this podcast because it's an idea I really believe in. So much so that I decided to put my money where my mouth is and self-fund the project. I really want to keep releasing this podcast for free. So if you enjoy this episode, a way you can help is to visit our ACAST supporter page and give what you can. You'll find the link in the episode description. Thank you.